Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope that you enjoy this encouraging message. For more information on our church family, visit freechapel.org forward slash OC. So we're going to uh, jump back into um, what, uh, what we've been looking at. Over the past couple weeks, um, we have been unpacking the, the idea or the concept of what it is to live free. And I've been using, um, as you can see, if you're visiting with us and you're wondering what in the heck is going on, um, I've been using this uh, illustration of one of my son's favourite toys um, to help me communicate. Um, I'm using a simple illustration to communicate a deeper concept in Scripture, that being living a life of freedom. In week one, we unpacked um, the idea that was surrounding the thought that there must be more. And we talked about the idea that when we get saved and we receive Jesus, it's much like receiving a gift. The same way my son, when I gave this to my son as a gift, that it wasn't something that he had to earn, it was something that he received. And when he received it, he was excited about the prospect of what lay ahead of him. That even as a three, four-year-old, he understood that whilst receiving the, the box is exciting and, and, and the picture is amazing, that he understood that that's not all that this was. That it was not just a picture of something, but this box within it actually contained an experience that he wanted to walk out, if you like. And we talked about that as a way of understanding what it is to actually receive Jesus. That when I receive Jesus, in that moment, I am set free. That my eternity is secure when I meet Jesus. But there is a difference between being set free through receiving Jesus and living a life of freedom. The being set free is something that I just receive, but living a life of freedom is something that it requires something of me. That there are things that I need to actually do. That's why we meet many Christians that get saved but live bound. And so we unpack that as an idea by way of introducing us to this series of considering the thought that whilst you may be saved, there must still be more that God has for my life. And last week we began to, by way of the illustration, we began to unpack because Jesus in this verse that we're looking at, which is John chapter 8 and and, and verse 31, Jesus in His brilliance, as He begins to discuss with these Jewish believers this this idea of what it is to live free. In His brilliance, what He does is He gives them an outline of, you know, what we called last week really is a formula for freedom. Jesus doesn't sort of just jump into it and He's like, hey guys, you're saved, live free. But what Jesus does is He unpacks for them this formula that, that 
needs to be followed. And the formula, we follow it by way of the verse. And Jesus says to them, if you abide in my truth, then you will be my disciples or you will become my disciples. So I abide in truth, then I become His disciples. Then you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. This was the formula for freedom. And last week, we began to look at this formula as we systematically sort of walk through really what Jesus is saying. That step one, He says, abide in my truth. Abide in my Word, I'm sorry, abide in my Word. And we unpacked what that meant and we sort of used the word listen. And we said it's, it's, it's important that we understand that step one, it requires us to listen. And, and we talked about that a little bit more. And then the second part that we unpacked last week, because it was two words we talked about. We talked about what it is to listen and how when we listen, we learn. Because Jesus says, if you abide in my Word, you will be my disciples. And what is a disciple? A disciple is somebody who learns. So last week we looked at listening and we looked at learning. And so today we're going to unpack the next portion of it. And then we'll, we'll keep talking in, in, in the coming weeks about it some more. But the next portion of it is, is um, we're just going to look at one portion because this one's a little bit harder and it's a little bit trickier. I want you to see what Jesus does in the formula and I want you to follow with me. He says to them, if you abide in my word, you listen, you become my disciples, then you'll learn. Then he says, upon listening and learning, you will know the truth. Then he says, and the truth will set you. I mean, dear God, that was the moment. <laughs> This is class participation. <laughs> you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. It just feels better when you, you know, like give me something. I mean, talk about leave me hanging, dear Lord. Like, I feel like a bad comedian up here. Like, so you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. I want you to see that Jesus' focus for the formula is actually not freedom, but truth. I want you to see it. If you listen, abide in my word, you become my disciples and you will know the truth. That's his focus. His focus is to reveal truth. And then a byproduct of truth being revealed is freedom is then activated because you will know the truth. And what sets you free? The truth. So if you don't know the truth, you never walk in freedom. So Jesus' focus is not freedom, His focus is truth. And this right now, as exciting as it is to look at as a concept and as an idea, this is where many of us as Christians miss out on living a life of freedom because we don't want to unpack truth. Because unpacking truth is very, very uncomfortable. 
so uncomfortable that we've taken this verse to mean that knowing the truth just means reading God's Word. But if you look at what he's actually talking about, it's not just talking about truth pertaining to God's Word as much as that is in there. But it's actually talking about truth. The interpretation is this word truth pertaining to everything, including us. And this is where it gets tricky and this is where it gets challenging because I'm okay to look at the truth of God's Word as long as the truth of God's Word doesn't expose the truth of my life. That's where it gets messy. And that's why I'm coming for you this morning. And I'm very sorry, but it's gonna hurt like hell. Um, like heck. And then we'll come back next week and it'll be prettier. But it's impossible to walk in freedom if we're not gonna be truthful. And so by way of illustration, when we know what happened once I gave my son the box and we've talked about it and he was excited at the potential, but then there came this moment where he didn't just want the box, he wanted the experience. And we unpacked it a little bit last week by way of listening and learning. But now we're gonna focus on what it is to know truth. To know truth. This is the next step. So what I wanna give you is I wanna give you three things that I want you to write down and we'll go through them in, in small groups. This week and you'll be able to do a bit more of a deep dive. But the first, the three truths, there's three truths that we need to recognise and, and I wanna follow what Jesus does here. So Jesus communicates to the Jewish believers and he tells them this formula. And we discussed last week that the mistake they made was they overlooked the formula and they jumped straight to the outcome, remember? And when they did that, the outcome didn't make sense. So they're like, well, we don't need freedom. Like we're free, even though they weren't. And they didn't understand it. In fact, what they did was when Jesus offered them this outcome that would result in freedom, they looked at their life and they overinflated the freedom they have and then they underplayed the bondage they were in. Now, I know none of us do that, but this is just them. Because they said to Jesus, freedom, I'm like, I'm like bro, like, we've, we've never been slaves to anybody. Well, hang on, you're a Jewish person, so your lineage would say that you were a slave. So they're presenting like we're cool. We don't need freedom. And then they say, well, we're not bound to anybody. Well, now you're Jewish believers living under Roman oppression. So not only are you lying about the bondage of your past, now you're lying about the bondage of your present. So these jokers didn't get it at all. And so I love what Jesus does. What Jesus does is the next thing He does is when He realises, okay, if that's where you're at, let me level the playing field. And you know what Jesus does? Jesus just comes in, right? And He says to them, okay, let me tell you something. If anybody sins, you're a slave to sin. 
And in that moment, because who sins here? I'll put my hand up for you, okay. <laughs> All of you'll do, okay. And it was the same with them. So what Jesus did was in this one statement, He rips down their pathetic attempt at this facade of freedom and says, okay, guys, you're all screw-ups in a moment. That's what Jesus was essentially doing. And it created this level playing field that Jesus desperately needs us all to be on because He cannot work with anybody that won't be honest. So he throws it out there and he's like, okay, everybody needs freedom because we are all sinners. And much like this illustration, if we're gonna keep moving on in the formula, if this is my little attempt at at painting a picture for you of what it is to get saved and then unpack the potential, if this over here is, is some sort of way of me trying to illustrate the goal, if you like, of what it is to live a life of freedom, then there is this process in the middle that requires us to unpack the truth of what I'm really dealing with, okay? And so when, when you know, Luca comes to me and he's like, let's do it. And we started to unpack it a little bit, but we were just starting to work with the little pieces. Let's sort of get it all out, okay? Should we do that? Well, we're here, we may as well do it. You'll get to lunch, okay? It's gonna be okay. So this is the reality of what it looks like to begin to unpack the truth of where we're at. Aren't you glad you came to church? Thank you, come back next week, have a great way. You know why we hate truth? Because truth is messy. Okay, so what we have to do is the first truth that we have to recognise in all of us is that there is a problem. Okay? Now, I don't mean to offend you, but you have a problem. (laughs) You have a problem. I have a problem too. In fact, I've got a lot of them. That's what it means to be human. And the sooner we recognise the truth of our life, doesn't matter how long you've been in church, doesn't matter how many verses you know, doesn't matter how great you sing on a Sunday, we are all messed up up and the sooner you accept that, the quicker you can begin to heal because we can never heal from anything that remains hidden. And so we have to understand that there's a problem. And if we recognise that the goal that we're trying to work toward is not something that we're actually going to experience in its fullest form, this side of eternity. You understand that? This is a feeble attempt at me trying to use an illustration to articulate a very complex 
subject, but we have to understand that the fullness of the life of freedom in its fullest form, we will never truly operate in this side of eternity. So if we recognise that, then we understand that we are all always in this process of growing. So if I'm always growing, there's always a mess to work with. And the sooner we realise that truth, the more we'll learn and the quicker we grow. And this was what Jesus said to them. And this is where it's so important. And this is why the wording is so brilliant in what Jesus says, when He says that you will know the truth. You will know the truth. The word know is the word ginosko. Sorry for the pronunciation, Yanni, I tried my best. (laughs) But ginosko is not just talking about information. It's actually speaking of intimacy. It's speaking of proximity, it's staying close. Yes, it's speaking of understanding and knowing. It's very layered, it's very complex. It's speaking of being intimate and open and close to the truth of what we're really dealing with. And if we're ever to identify one place where Christians never move forward from, it's here. Because this, this is, this is much nicer. And, and to be honest, in, in the Western church, you can, you can go a long way with this. That's the truth. You, you carry a nice little picture and you present good enough on the surface. And if you got gifted and if you got some charisma, listen, I meet preachers like this all the time. And if you know how to articulate and you know how to roll and you've got some gifting and, and, and you've got some swag and you know how to do it, listen, you can go a long way. In fact, we as a culture, we will put people on pedestals and we will retweet and we will follow and we will lift them up and we'll get excited about it. And then what happens is we, we create this beast. We keep feeding the beast because we're so enamoured by exterior gifting and swag and how someone presents. But if it lacks power, then it doesn't move me forward. And so this is a very tempting place to go to because this looks better than this. And I don't want this. We know ultimately we want that. But to get that, I've got to deal with this. So because I've got to deal with this, I'm going to sacrifice that because that's easier. And so I'm just going to go back here because this is tough and this is hard. And this is what Jesus is talking about. This is why He's not just talking about knowing the truth of who He is. He's not just talking about knowing the truth of 
his word, he's talking about a deeper intimacy with the truth that is not just reading God's word, it's it's identifying where God's word is speaking to me and how I need to respond to what the word is saying. You, Hebrews 4, chapter 12, we, we quote it, right? This is a verse regarding Scripture. And, and it talks about Scripture as being like a double-edged sword, right? You, you heard the verse before. Double-edged sword and, and sharper than any double-edged sword and it'll divide soul and spirit, joint and marrow, right? If you've been in church, you know that verse. And we quote it and we pray it so often in relation to when we want something done. You know what I'm talking about? All right, this is what I do then, all right? So often when I picture that verse, I picture, you know, myself standing there with a sword. You know, it's like shoveling double-edged sword, so I'm gonna speak the Word of God. It's like, ah, get everybody, you know, like, well, not get everybody, you, you know what I'm talking about. Like, I don't, I don't picture, I picture myself standing there fighting the attacks of the enemy, right, using God's Word, okay? And then that, there's merit to that, but there's more to that. Because if you look at the next verse, what does the next verse say? Put the next verse on the screen. Hebrews chapter four, if you're following, chapter four and verse 12 to 13, for the Word of God is power, living and powerful and sharper than even the sword. And even to the division of soul and spirit and joint and marrow. And then we stop there and we think, yeah, the Word of God's gonna get things done for me. Right, isn't that what God's Word's supposed to do? That's the deal, right? I quote God's Word and then things happen for me. Well, it's more than that because it says then it is a discerner of thoughts and intents of what? Not of my situation. It'll do that too. But it's, it's the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the... So maybe my illustration in my mind of me standing there with a sword facing everybody else. Maybe that's not really correct all the time. Maybe the sword is turned and pointing at me. That when we understand what it is to divide, to divide joint and marrow, do you know where marrow is? Marrow is found in the inner part of the bone. So now you see, when I look at the Word of God, this is one of the roles of the Word of God, is to actually get past the surface and the exterior of where I'm at and highlight the details and the truth of what's going on inside. Just a thought for you. But it's difficult. And I can appreciate that it's a difficult concept to to touch on. Because the reality is, whilst this is pretty easy dumping out a box onto the stage for sake of a little illustration that many of you, this is illustrating stuff that is very real to you. 
that if we're really gonna talk about unpacking everything, because if you know anything about putting together one of these toys, you need to empty the box. If you don't empty the box, when you come over here to build, something's not gonna click. And so what we do is we in church, we hear something like this and we will systematically remove the things out of the box that we're comfortable talking about. But we don't get down to really everything that's going on. And you know why we don't? Because one, it sucks. It hurts like hell. And, and I found when you start talking about deep-rooted hurt and pain and abuse and rejection, it's almost like pulling on a thread because they're often connected. And you start with one thing, it's gonna lead to something deeper. And if you go to that, then that's gonna lead to that. And if you go to that, that's gonna lead to that. And that's gonna take me, Ben, to a place that I cannot talk about. And I can appreciate that. I can appreciate what it is to have a level of hurt and pain that runs so deep that physically you're not sure if you're gonna get through the rest of the day, let alone the week. And it would be, um, it would actually be inappropriate for me to, in a room this size and, and in a forum like this, it would be inappropriate for me to begin to unpack the complexities of what many people in this room are dealing with. And, and, and the pain that you've had to navigate and the root issues and causes of where it came from and why it's there and the dysfunctions you've had to put in place in order to just manage and keep it covered just to survive. But you have to understand that this is what Jesus is talking about when we read in Scripture and He speaks about the Holy Spirit and the role of the Holy Spirit. This is, this is why we say things like get in a community. Don't just come to church on Sundays. I'll always do the absolute best I can to be led by the Holy Spirit. But, but I also recognise, and, and the Holy Spirit in, in moments of service can set people free in a second. I've seen it, I've experienced it myself. But I also understand that sometimes the Holy Spirit will do it like that and, and then other times he'll, he'll use people and he'll use community and he'll use small groups and he'll use counsellors and he, he'll use a therapist or he'll, my own mother's a, a, a psychologist. And, he, and he'll use different people, but if you just, uh, 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 if you're only prepared to just settle for a Sunday attendance, there's a chance that you'll miss out on unpacking the layers and the depths 
in order to get to that place where you can allow the Holy Spirit to actually really come and do the deeper work that He wants to do. But it's tough. But that's why it goes back to, remember one of the earlier questions we asked ourselves at the start was, do I trust Him? Because again, we will never heal from anything that remains hidden. The Holy Spirit is described, I love that He's described first as the helper, as the comforter before He's the counsellor. I love that the role of the Holy Spirit first is to make us sense that place of safety and comfort before He starts to dig in there. I love that He's sensitive to where we're at. That's why it's, you know, those moments when our team are leading people in worship and I'll, and I'll often talk with Pastor Sean and the team and, and they do it so brilliantly. But I'll say to them, more and more, hear the Holy Spirit and sometimes just let it, let it just sit for a second. Let it, let, let, we don't always have to be quick to sing the next line in the song or quick to go into the next part or portion of the service. And I'm learning more and more to, to try and hear what God wants to say and how He wants to say it because sometimes we're touching on things and the Holy Spirit during worship or during a message, He's doing something. And sometimes our, our, our appetite or our hunger to be entertained overrides our intimacy to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. And we need to learn sometimes to just stop for a minute and just, just breathe for a second. And hear, Lord, what are you speaking to me right now? Because for many of you, there are things that if we were to really unpack the box, there's stuff in here that I don't want out there. Because we've learned, there's a sense of this is uncomfortable. This is uncomfortable. And we love comfort. So the moment we get uncomfortable, we lead back to what's comfortable. But then we sacrifice the freedom that God has for us because we're not willing to get uncomfortable and embrace the process. So we have to recognise that there's a problem. But then once we recognise the truth that, you know what, there's a problem, the second truth that we have to recognise now that I recognise there's a problem, the second truth is to recognise that now I have a choice. What do I do with my dysfunction? What do I do with my issues? What do I do with my hurt? I can either go back to what's comfortable, which it's, you can do that. And you, you know, you'll probably live an okay life. Millions, billions of people doing it every day. You can go back. You can come back to church next week and bring your Bible and your best singing voice and smash it out like the best of them. And no one will know, but you'll never be free. 
And we as, as the church in the Western world, we've, we've settled for this too much. But this sounds to me like what Paul said to Timothy when he talked about the form of godliness, but no power. Something that looks right, but there's nothing, it's, it's empty. This is why as a, the body of Christ, I think is, is not operating in the fullness of our calling and, and affecting the change that we are called to affect in society and culture because we're living off pictures. And we are presenting a picture of something that we don't carry. And when people see the picture of freedom and they ask us, how can I be free? The box is empty. And we just keep saying, no, it's okay. Come back next week and we'll give you another box. But, but the longer we do this, the more depraved society gets and the more ground we lose as the body of Christ and the more broken people become, hence the greater need for Christians that actually carry true freedom. But true freedom comes at a cost. So what do you wanna do? Because you've got a choice to make. Look at this verse and, and I'll, I'll do the next bit quick, I promise. Are you still with me? Okay, look at this. The, the, that verse, right? The former God denies former godliness, former godliness but denies power. Let's look at this real quick because this is, this is, is great. So Paul says to Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1, 2 Timothy 3 verse 1. But know this. In the last days, perilous times will come. How many believe we're in the last days? Okay. In the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving. Does this sound familiar? Does this sound like it's painting a picture of where society's at? Unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Okay, these words in our mind, we see this and we think that paints a pretty good picture of where society's at. We agree? But then look at the next thing. This is where this verse that we're talking about comes in. Having a form of godliness but denying its power. Whoa, hang on, hang on. I thought we were talking about the world. Because now I was reading this, Paul, and, and I was jumping on board with you, bro. We were, we were remember, that looks like society. We're like, yeah, they're all screwed up and we're not. Remember? But now Paul says that they will have a form of godliness. Hang on, the world doesn't profess to have a form of godliness. 
We do. Now Paul's getting in my business. And now I'm like, hey, Paul, listen, bro, let's chill a little bit. Because you, you said some pretty heavy stuff in there. You're starting to dig into, Paul, listen, I like you dealing with this, Paul. But now you're starting to get into some of this with what's really going on. Verse seven, look at what verse seven says. Speaking of now, we recognise that maybe Paul is talking about the church. And then he goes on and he says this, verse seven, listen to this. Always learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the, of the what? Always learning. Come on, Ben, what are you preaching next week? I'm here to learn. I'll get a new Christian book. I'll listen to the podcast. I'm here to learn. I'm here to learn. Ben, I'm here to learn. Come on, brother Ben. Glory to God Almighty God, He's so good. You know when people are bad, when they over-exaggerate how good they're doing. How are you? Oh, oh, Pastor Ben, we are. Oh my goodness, just, just, and I always know when they're talking crap because I can see it on their wife's face. I've learned something. Don't ask the dude. He's got no idea. Oh, Pastor Ben, come on, kids. Let's all shake Pastor Ben's hand. Look at my kids matching outfits and everything. And my wife, look at my wife, she's smoking hot. I mean, my life is money, Ben. <laughs> Learning, showing up in church. But what good is learning if I don't learn the truth? And what good is attending if I'm not getting past this to this? Because I know, I know this doesn't look as good as this. And it feels like a step backwards, but it's actually a step forwards. It's just a painful one. And if we recognise, you know what? There is a problem, I have a choice. I'm either gonna go back to the picture or I can just sit in my problem. And some people fall into that trap in church where they just wanna come in and just say how bad everything is and how much they hate their wife and hate their husband and life sucks and I've got no money and I'm still sick. And I'm just we're like, okay, I get it. But you've got a choice. Well, they did this to me and they did that to me. Well, welcome to life. And I'm not trying to be insensitive, but I'm just saying, recognise that we live in a fallen world. Life sucks sometimes. Okay, people are people. 
I mean, that will set you free. Some of you, the reason why you're so hurt is you put a God expectation on a man-made being. People are people. And, and they're gonna do what they're gonna do. We're all messed up. That's why we can't put our faith in people. Our faith has got to be in God because people will always let you down. But if you're not gonna allow that to pull you down, you've got to trust in Him. So you can sit in it and, and you, can, you can sort of sit here and go, wow, I mean, this happened to me and that happened to me and, and everything's bad and life sucks. But I'm here, Ben, I'm here, I'm coming. I'm coming, preach. And you've got to make a choice. You want to sit because, you know what? There's an element of our issues that when they come to the surface at the start, is painful. But if you just sit in it, what was painful will become normal. And you'll get used to a poverty mindset. And you'll get used to the label of victim. And I'm not downplaying what's happened to you. But I am saying what has happened to you doesn't have to identify you. And some of you have been carrying that label for so long that you don't wanna remove it because you don't know who you would be without it. And you're so quick to tell everybody stuff that you shouldn't ever be sharing with everybody. And you're casting pills before swine. And the reason why you do it is because that's your identity. It reminds me of a guy in Scripture called Blind Bartimaeus. The fact that he's known in Scripture as Blind Bartimaeus suggests that everybody saw him through his issue. But the story in Scripture tells us in the context of the story actually tells us that when Jesus was walking by the roadside, it was known that blind beggars would sit by the roadside. Not only was that known, Jesus had a reputation for being a healer. So you better know there was a crowd there and you better know that there were more people by the roadside than just blind Bartimaeus. But we don't hear of anybody else being healed that day except the one person that was sitting in the middle of their mess and yelled out and said, Bro, I am done. Help. I don't want this crap anymore. I want to get my life right. I've got to deal with it. I've got to open up what's really going on. I need to talk. But you have to choose that. And I've been doing this long enough to realise that typically as people in the Western church, more often than not, we will choose this over this any day of the week. That's why it's easier to get people to come to church on a Sunday than come into a small group on a Monday. Because you're okay with me hitting your mess from here. But if I come to your house and we start to talk, 
about where our lives are really at and you get some community around you and you get some discipleship in your life and you have some dudes in your life that are asking you what websites you're scrolling on throughout the week and asking you how you talk to your wife when no one's around. And some women that say, how am I ask you how often you're gossiping? Or how often are you talking about people instead of talking to them? If we start to actually get in there, that's messy. But I'll be at church on Sunday. And I'm not downplaying church because I think it's powerful and I think the fact that you're here is amazing and I honour you for doing it. But I am saying, don't settle for this. Start to work through this. So knowing the truth is recognising, one, there's a problem. Two, there's a choice. But three, there is hope. Three, there's hope. Because there is no mess That is hopeless. And you might think, Ben, you don't know my stuff. I may not know the details of your stuff, but I do know your Saviour. And I know the power of the blood of Jesus. And I know that if you will give Him permission and get the right people around you, and begin to walk through the mess and begin to unpack the truth of where you're at and the truth of God's Word. And then you take that truth and you apply it to your life. You start to walk in freedom. And this is a continual process. Because what we do is when we get in the mess and we start to sort of piece together the the pieces. But, But if I just shout about the pieces on Sunday and just tweet them and just, but I don't apply them, I can't walk in the benefits that come with them. And so what I have to do is I've got to take them and this is where the hope comes. When I start seeing the pieces applied to my life. And do you know what I've learnt? Is is when I apply the pieces and as I begin, and again, this is a, it's such a medial, elementary way of trying to communicate this. But I've learnt that as you start to sort of build a little, Layers and little pieces, you know what I realise? Is, is if I want to grow, do you know what I have to do? I've got to go back. Because the more I move forward, the more I realise I've still got a lot of crap in my life I've got to work through. And, and, then, I, and then I apply something else and I learn something else and then, and then I apply that to my life and then I see it grow some more. And, and then as I, I find like this, Just when you feel like you're doing great, if you let the Holy Spirit speak to you, He will so kindly and so graciously remind you 
that you're still a mess. And do you know what's so great about that? Because just when I wanna pick this up and be like, yeah, look at my life, bro. Just as quick as I am in my pride to show everybody how great I am and how good I'm doing. If I let the Holy Spirit remind me that I still got stuff to work on and I submit to the process again and, and I get down in His Word and I say, God, show me what I've got to do because I've got to work on this because I'm messed up. And then I take more pieces and then I build them and then I go back again. Do you know what it does? It keeps us humble. And we cannot be so quick to show off who we are. Because as quick as you can show off who you are, how many know pride comes before a fall? And I, wanna, I don't wanna get caught falling. I want, me to, I want Him to always find me growing. And I'd rather Him find me here trying to work through the mess. And I'd rather work with people that are here trying to work through the mess and pull together the pieces. I'd rather do that than some joker over here that's presenting great and hiding crap. And it's, and it's hard and it's painful and it hurts and it's difficult, but it's real. It's real. And if we want real freedom, you gotta do real work. But you can trust your God and you can trust the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. To watch our latest message, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Free Chapel OC.